Please be seated. Have a seat, guys. Great to be together. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Unlimited. So if you're visiting with us today, it's a great time for you to visit so you can be here for the whole uh, worship series we're going to be doing. And uh, this is a series about the nature of God uh, and uh, his, his unlimited qualities, uh, a few of his unlimited qualities. He has so many, but um, we have invitations that are at the, in, the, uh, in the foyer as you leave, if you'd like to grab a few of those and invite some of your friends out to the series. Uh, but we're going to be looking, we're going to be spending some time in Psalm 145. Uh, Psalm 145 is uh, 21 verses long. It's, a, it's, a, um, it's an acrostic poem. Who knows what an acrostic poem is? Okay, a few people do. An acrostic poem is a poem where uh, each, of the each letter of the alphabet is used for one of the lines. So it's, in it's originally in Hebrew. So if you're reading Psalm 145 in Hebrew, each line of the psalm starts with the next Hebrew letter. So it makes it easy to memorize. And in fact, uh, in, uh, in Jewish school today, uh, and, and in Jewish uh, religion, uh, for, the, for those that are conservative, they say this prayer uh, three times a day. Uh, they, they recite Psalm 145. It's called the Aria, is the name of that, uh, that prayer that they do. And they, they can put it to music sometimes. And, uh, so, you know, it's, that's pretty cool. You know, we were thinking about that and thinking about memorizing. And so um, I wanted to give you the Psalm 145 challenge as we go through this uh, worship series. And that would be to either memorize the whole psalm over the next few weeks as we're going through the series. It's 21 verses. I really think everybody here could do it. Or uh, the other alternative for the Psalm 145 challenge would be to read through the psalm in your quiet times and pray uh, in the spirit of that psalm uh, as we go through the series. Pray, pray through that psalm every day. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, I was talking to Robert Carrillo about this yesterday. He leads the San Diego Church. And uh, he, uh, is in his, part of his master's program, he had some interaction with Judaism and was part of a Jewish school or, or kind of auditing a Jewish school for a little bit. And there was a kid who was 13 years old who recited um, several chapters, four or five chapters of the Old Testament from memory. And uh, Robert was really impressed by that and said, uh, wow, that's amazing to the rabbi. And the rabbi said, that's nothing. We have a 13-year-old the other day who has the entire first five books of the Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, New Numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, not the first five names of the books of the Bibles. <laughs> the first five books of the Bible entirely memorized. And that was not uncommon in Jesus' time. That was actually Jewish school, is that they would uh, learn and, and memorize the Torah. So when you think about that, it's like, well, memorizing 21 verses is not that hard, right? Uh, and it's good for us. It keeps God, God's uh, perspective of God on our heart. The uh, specific passage we're going to look at uh, in, with the series in Psalm 145 is verse 8. It says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. If that uh, phrase, that little section of Scripture sounds familiar to you, it's because it's in the Bible a lot. In fact, uh, in Exodus when uh, God passes before the people, he, he, he describes himself that way. It says, the, as he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And that same phrase is many places in, in, the, in the verse, in the Bible. I'm going to throw them on the screen there. Nehemiah 9, uh, Psalm 86, Psalm 103, Joel 2. Jonah is kind of a funny one. 
Jonah was sent by God to the city of Nineveh, which was a great, powerful city, the most powerful city in the Assyrian Empire, which was a... Uh, the Assyrian Empire was the most powerful kingdom uh, ever to, to be up until that point. And it was a great city. Jonah is sent there as a prophet, and his message is not the most positive message. His message is, repent, because God's going to destroy you. And, um, and, but, but they responded to the message, and so they repented of their sins, and they called on God and said, maybe God will be merciful. And God, because he is gracious, he showed compassion, and he showed grace on that city. And he did not destroy the city, and he told uh, Jonah, I've changed my mind. They Look at how they've repented. And what Jonah says back is, he goes, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love. Sheesh. Because he wanted to see the city be destroyed. Uh, so even Jonah knew that God is gracious. So today we're, we're talking about gracious, uh, that aspect of his nature. Uh, next week, Steve will be preaching about how God is compassionate. Uh, February 22nd, I'm going to be back and I'll talk about how God is slow to anger. And then Mark Steberg will close us out on March 1st with how God is rich in love. So today we're talking about how God is gracious. Uh, let's say a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into uh, some scripture here. Let's pray. God, thank you that uh, you call us to, to be in your kingdom. Thank you for your amazing grace, like we sang about, uh, that saves us. Each one of us is a wretch, if not for your grace. Uh, thank you that we could be together, that we could celebrate uh, the love that we have in Jesus together. Thank you for this fellowship. I pray that you would speak to us through your scriptures today. I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would say to each person in this room what uh, he once said to the, that person, and I pray that to be receptive to your word right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when it comes to grace, uh, there is no greater grace than God displayed in Jesus on the cross, as David talked about it, what Jesus did for us, and that is the ultimate expression of God's grace. Um, I preached a sermon a few months ago, or uh, maybe a year or two ago, called Infinite Grace, where I talked about God's grace a pretty th in a thorough way of how you enter God's grace and how we can choose to leave God's grace, not because his grace is limited, but because we can choose to rebel against him. And so I'm going to do something a little different. I put a QR code on there. And so if you're young and you're smart, you can figure out how that will take you to that lesson. Just take a picture with your smartphone and ask somebody younger than you and they'll tell you. Uh, but that will take you to that lesson if you'd like to hear that lesson, because I'm going to talk about a little bit something different today. Because there's another way the Bible talks about God's grace. Uh, obviously, God talks about his grace in terms of forgiveness of our sins and getting to, to go to heaven. Uh, but there's another whole area of God's grace that is covered in Scripture that I've never really talked about. And so it was kind of exciting me to explore. And this is a real important point to get. Because if you get what we're going to talk about today, it will really change the way that you live your life in terms of how happy you are, how at peace you are, how fulfilled you are. You know, everybody, if you ask, take a poll of everybody in America and ask, what do you really want out of life? Most people will say, I want to be happy, won't they? Uh, you know, does God want us to be happy? I believe he does want us to be happy. Is that his ultimate purpose for us? No. He has greater purposes for us than our happiness. But if you get what we're going to talk about today, it will lead to our happiness. That's kind of a side benefit is if you get God and you get his grace and you get what we're going to talk about today, it will absolutely make you live a much more happy life. And so uh, as we go through that, you will see why I think that. Okay, so God is grace. 
God's grace is connected with gift giving. And uh, so this is something I hadn't really seen before, but the fact that God's grace is displayed in how he gives us gifts. Because the gifts God gives us, none of us deserve, right? I mean, none of us deserve all of these ways God has gifted us. And if you think about uh, how he's gifted us, I mean, look at this verse, John 1, 16, for out of his fullness, this is the amplified version where, this is a cool version because they go to the Greek, which the New Testament was written in Greek, and then they try to give a little bit of extra so you really get what the Greek meant. And so when it's in parentheses, that's the extra they're giving you to try to help you understand what the Greek meant. So for out of his fullness or abundance, we have all received. In other words, we've all had a share. We were all supplied with one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift, gift heaped upon gift. Isn't that true of God? in our lives. If you really stop and think, every moment is a gift. The fact that we can breathe is a gift. The fact that we have our senses is a gift. Uh, The relationships that we have, the people God puts in our lives in this community are gifts from God. Uh, Our our parents, our families, some some of you might feel like, well, my family's not a blessing. I I bet it is a blessing in in one way or another. Uh, Just the fact that you were born. If, if, If only that. That, that you survived birth and you were allowed to live on this planet, that you were born in this country, that you were born at this time in history, that you know the English, la- English language, that you have an education, uh, that you have your senses, for most of us, that you rarely go hungry. I mean, if any of us go hungry, it's because we're so busy we didn't have time to stop and get something to eat yet. There is almost no one here that really goes hungry, and yet so many people in the world go hungry. So many kids in this world go hungry. So few of us ever have to worry about shelter in a, in a practical sense. You go, well, i got to pay my mortgage payment. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, do you really have to worry about, oh, a storm is coming and, and I'm not going to have anywhere to get out of the rain. I mean, that's what people deal with. And yet we don't even count that blessing so often. Uh, access to health care, access to technology. So many ways that we are so richly blessed. Every person here is so richly blessed. But sometimes we don't see it that way, do we? Uh, we don't feel that way about God. We don't see God as the giver of good gifts sometimes. Because our perspective gets a little tweaked. And so we're going to talk a little bit about why that happens. Uh, because, it, again, every... Every day is a blessing. Every moment is a blessing. I, I saw a TED Talk recently by a guy who is, uh, he's a, a PhD up at Berkeley, I believe, and uh, studying the concept of happiness. And happiness is, you know, when he first started into this 20 years ago or something, people laughed at him or kind of mocked him like this isn't a real study. I mean, nowadays, people really validate that. Like, like people in America are not as happy as they should be because they seem like they have everything they should have and yet they're not happy, so what's the problem? And so he's studying this from a clinical standpoint. And he personally shared about how he went through a period of his, in his life where his back, he had a, an issue with his back where he was unable to walk. For several years, he was unable to walk. Now he's able to walk fine. And so he says for him, every, t- every time he's just taking a step, every time he's walking, he's just like, oh, I'm so glad I can walk. You know, and I thought, I have never thanked God for the ability to walk. So there's so many things I just take for granted because I just have them, right? And, uh, and so seeing this different perspective of God, seeing the right view of God has everything to do with the way that we live our life and the way we treat the gifts that he gives us 
and the effectiveness we will have in using those gifts, and even just our outlook on life and our outlook on happiness. And uh, there was a story that Jesus told in, uh, in Matthew 25, we're probably familiar with. Um, if you want to turn there, uh, I'll read a little bit of it here in Matthew 25. It's called the parable of the talents in many uh, Bibles. NIV has actually updated it and calls it the parable of the bags of gold. Uh, the reason they do that is, is that the word talent didn't, when, when Jesus used that word, it didn't mean what it means to you and I. The word talent in the first century was a bag of gold. It was a unit of money. And because of the story Jesus told, talent has come to mean what you and I mean when we say someone is talented. You don't mean, oh, they have a lot of bags of gold. You mean they have gifts, they have abilities. But when Jesus told the story, he was talking about bags of gold. So that's why they've changed it in the new NIV. So in verse 14, it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. The main thing I want to focus on here in this story is this guy's view of the master, this guy's view of God, because I think that's what affected the way that he treated that gift, that bag of gold. How did he feel about God? How did he feel about the master? He said, you're a hard man. You harvest where you've not planted. In other words, you're not fair. You expect too much. Uh, you, 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 you don't treat me fairly. And, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to be punished by you. And so I'm just going to unplug. And that's the view of God that many people have. And when, when people look at, at the world, or people look at themselves, many people look at God as, as being harsh or being not fair. I want to illustrate this just a little bit of, of how this can, uh, can be displayed. I need three volunteers to come up here on stage. Okay, yeah, down there. Sandy, yes. One more. Okay, over there. I've got to get my little prop, so come on stage while I'm getting my prop. I had it, and I don't know where it went. It's a paper bag I had backstage. I'm doing too many things. Do you guys see it over there? All right, there we go. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, sound guys, for walking in front of the speaker. All right. So um, in Ephesians 4, it talks about God's grace 
And look what, it, this is a really interesting verse, what it says about grace here in Ephesians 4. There we go. It says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He gave gifts to his people, it says. That's interesting. This is almost saying like, we've been given different amounts of grace. Isn't that kind of what it's saying? Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He gave gifts to people. So this is where, it's not talking about grace in terms of forgiveness of sin. We've all received, we all have the opportunity to receive that. Everybody's the same. Everybody has the opportunity to have all their sins forgiven to get to go to heaven. But what's different is that he gives people in different ways. He gives people different sets of skills or abilities or backgrounds or, you know, so all of that is kind of different. And Jesus told a lot of stories about that. Like that last story we read, one guy got five talents, one guy got one, one guy got ten. It can feel like, well, God's not fair. There's another story where uh, different people showed up to work at different times of the day. And, you know, one person worked all day long, another person worked half day, another person showed up right before the, the closing of the, of the work day. Uh, they didn't have jobs before, but the, God in the story gave them a, a job, and he pays them all the same amount. And so the, the guys that worked all day are like, this isn't fair. Why we got the same amount as this guy that just started working? And the, the master says, did you have a job before I hired you? No. Uh, okay, do, do I have the right to be generous with my own money? Can I do what I want with my money? Yes. <laughs> you know, and so Jesus told that story to kind of prick us a little bit and push us a little bit because we want everything to be fair, right? So let me just give, give you an example here. Come on over here, you awesome volunteers. You have a mic for me? Oh, happy birthday, Sandy. Sandy is the first baptism in the uh, LA Church of Christ. If you didn't know. She's famous. Okay, so let me have you uh, open a gift. This is a gift for me. Okay. Here you go. Actually, I'll give them you each one, and then you can open it here in a second. So let's have you open yours first, Gigi. It's an Elevate Song of Ascent, Singer of the Southwest CD. All right, so it's a bunch of singers uh, from around the Southwest churches, all disciples. Betty's songs on there and some of my songs. So how do you feel about that? Cool. My mom's going to like it. <laughs> cool. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> And we'll listen to it. Awesome, awesome. I just found out recently that Gigi, Steve, I just found out recently that Gigi likes the Smiths. Is that cool or what? I'm like, wow, that's awesome. That was my high school days. Okay, so let's have you open your gift. Mika. All right. Pete's Coffee and Tea. <laughs> All right, $5 gift card to Pete's Coffee and Tea. So uh, now, how are you feeling? Do you, how do you still feel about your gift? I still like it. Do you wish you had the Pete's coffee? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. So did it diminish? So, so did suddenly you 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 were excited about the CD, and then suddenly you're like, oh, not as excited about it a little bit? Sure. Okay. <laughs> how are you feeling? Pretty good. Okay. So did either of you deserve? either of these gifts? Did you do anything to earn them? No, nothing. Okay, Sandy, let's have you open yours. 
Mine's the gag gift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared for a gag gift. <laughs> oh, it's pens. Okay. <laughs> pens. How many pens are in there? Well, it says 12. 12. That's awesome. <laughs> 12 pens. Okay, 12 pens. How are you feeling about your gift? Well, you know, people always expect me to have an extra pen, so this way I can, you know, okay, provide so for others. So you actually feel good about it. Do you wish you would have gotten one of those other gifts? Um, I'm pretty happy with the pens. I don't really go to Pete's. I wouldn't mind the CD. Okay, good. Okay, awesome. All right, well, let's give it up for our volunteers. Appreciate that. Thank you, you guys. So <clears throat> I think we can kind of relate to how we compare ourselves to other people, right? And we kind of compare what we got, our set of gifts, with maybe what other people got. And yet God, God says Christ apportioned it, right? You see that, verse 7? Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And it's a little bit later it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. So the Bible says God's in charge, Christ is in charge, and so it doesn't really do any good to say God's not fair, or why did I only get one instead of ten like him? And what does Jesus say? Well, do something with what you've got, be faithful with what you've got, and you'll get more. So the point is just stop worrying about what's fair and just do something with what you've got, is what he's saying, so the body of Christ may be built up. That's the way Jesus set up for this world to be changed. That's the way Jesus set up for us to reach a lost world is for everybody to do their part. It's not supposed to be just a few people. It's that the leaders are there to help where everybody, the whole body, if you, if you study out this whole passage, this whole chapter, it's talking about every part does its work, right? Everybody is doing their part with the gifts that they have. Um, I, I want to show you this video. Jameson showed me this yesterday. Uh, he just introduced me to this kid. This kid is eighth grade. Exact. Look at that guy. That's how <laughs> he's like. Oh, he's holding the camera, going, "Whoa!" <laughs> Jameson's exact words were, "He's in eighth grade. That's not fair." <laughs> and uh, man, I can so relate to that. Like that is not fair, and and we can feel that way sometimes. And yet, uh, yet Jesus said this. He said, "You know what? Whoever has a lot, what?" Much will be demanded. From the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So, you know, somebody's got something that you don't have. Well, Jesus says, well, more is expected of them. So he's the judge. You don't worry about that. Just do something with what you've got. And so that's our second point. First point is God gives good gifts. Second point is so use what you've been given. Because we've all been given something. We've all had a gift given to us. And so our heart should be, I want to use this gift. I remember years ago when uh, Calvin Elaine Johnson blessed us with a uh, dining room table. And they gave us this oak table. It's round. It's about, it's about that big, but 
it has a, a, a seam in the middle and it opens and you can put these leaves in, in it that are about this big. You can put up to three leaves in it. So we've had 20 people around that table before because it stretches way out. So we, we've had many Thanksgivings there. We always have Thanksgiving there. Many, many groups where we have all these people around that table. We, we put that table to use because we were grateful for this gift from Calvin and Elaine and we want to we use the gift that they gave us. Uh, when you're a parent, you want your kid to use the gift that you give them. You don't, you, you don't give them a gift and, and, and you know, say you give them a, a Star Wars action figure and they go, oh, this is great. I'm going to keep it in its case so it will hold its value. So you, you want to see them use that gift. Uh, for, for Christmas this year, our kids are teenagers and preteens, so they, they get a little bit older gifts like money now, but uh, they still get some kind of regular kid gifts. And uh, Marshall had uh, this helicopter, remote-controlled helicopter he had bought himself that he decided to fly in here uh, because he wanted to, to see its full capabilities. And it was kind of like that, that Greek tragedy with Icarus who flew too high. <laughs> you know, he, he flew it way up there and it went, went outside of the range of the remote control. So it went way up there and then outside of his control and it fell to its death. Um, so he was bummed out about that because he loved that little remote control. So we get, got him for Christmas a new remote control helicopter and we were excited to see him put it to use. And, and as a parent, you, you kind of, you're enjoying them, enjoying their gift. And I really think that is how God feels about us and our gifts. So check out this passage. This is really cool. Romans 12. We're going to look at a couple Greek words here. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. See the connection between gifts and grace? So none of us deserve what we have. Just like our volunteers didn't deserve what they got, but we get different things, right? None of us deserve any of it, but we get different things. And so these Greek words, having gifts, that word is charismata. We get our word charismatic from that, or somebody has charisma. Or, it means grace effect. The, according to the grace, the word for grace is charis or charin. It's the same word. So, so the, the word for gift, it, it's really grace. It's the grace effect. So we have different grace gifts, and then we use them according to that grace that God has given us. And so what, is, what does uh, Paul say? He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving generously, then give. If it's to lead, lead diligently. Is it to show mercy? Do it cheerfully. You get the point? Paul is saying whatever your gift is, make sure you're using that gift. Make sure you're exercising that gift. Don't be like the guy who said, oh, God is mean, God is harsh. I'm just going to bury my gift. I'm going to bury my bag of gold. He says, put it to use. Do, do something with it. And so it's really important that we see grace in that way. God is gracious, and so he gives us everything we have, and he expects us to put it to good use. He expects us to use it for his kingdom. Look at this, uh, this verse, 1 Peter 4. Kind of similar thing. Each of you should use whatever gift, again, charisma, grace effect, you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. That one, in that form, it's keritos. Uh, kind of looks like churritos, like a new kind of chips or something, but it's keritos in its various forms. So I love that phrase, faithful stewards of God's grace. Remember that story Jesus told about 
the master and the servants, and he entrusted them with his gold. So what we have, it's from God. It's grace. So anything that you have, your education, your ethnicity, the fact that you live in this country, the fact that you have money, the fact that, what, you know, whatever, we're all gifted in different ways. There's a lot that we have in common in those regards. All of that is grace. And so you are a steward of God's grace. And so he expects you to do something with that. He expects you to use that gift. He expects you to put it to use. So whether it's serving, whether it's giving, whether it's loving, whether it's singing, whether it's sharing, whether it's speaking, whether it's leading, we need to do it all excellently. We do, need to do it all the best of our ability. Look what he says. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides. It's not about me. It's about God. So that in all things, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. How did Paul feel about the grace that had been entrusted to him? Did he do it like, oh man, I have to, I have to serve people. I have to write these letters. I have to, because God gave me the gift of an education and he gave me the ability to communicate well in Greek and he gave me Greek citizenship. So I have to do this stuff. Is that how Paul felt? Look at how he felt. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. See the connection between grace and doing something with what you've been given? No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Now, was Paul trying to work so hard because he felt guilty and he wanted to prove himself to God? He felt like God doesn't really like me, so I got to prove myself. Do you think that was his motivation? No, it was that he was grateful. His motivation was gratitude. His motivation was seeing God as a gracious God and being grateful for everything he had and going, okay, I'm going to work hard because I've been given so much. I want to do something with this. I want to please God with what God has given me. Uh, a few years back, um, probably 10 years ago, maybe more actually, this brother, uh, I, I kept borrowing his guitar because I had a really junky guitar and a very cheap guitar I had bought from a roommate for 50 bucks. And, um, you know, guitar, the quality of the instrument has a lot to do with how it sounds, especially when it comes to acoustic guitar. And uh, so this brother was letting me borrow this guitar for some event or something, and I, I was returning it to him, and he said, he said, bro, uh, this is John Ivey, those of you who know John Ivey, he said, bro, I want you to have this guitar. And my immediate thought was like, no way, this is like a $700 guitar. I mean, it, it just floored me. He said, I want you to have it. And I said, no, I can't accept that. He said, no, bro, I want you to have it. I said, no, 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 that's way too expensive. I'll save up, I'll get one. No, I want you to have it. And so I was kind of arguing with him, and then he goes, brother, you're, going to, you're trying to rob me of my joy of giving. <laughs> so what do you say to that? So I'm like, oh. Because it was a little bit of a pride in me. You know, like, kind of like Peter, no, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. You know, that's kind of how it was. Like, I don't want to be vulnerable, because it's vulnerable to receive something, right? I'm going to feel indebted. I don't, want, I don't want the... And so it's like, when he said that, it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I need to accept it. And so instead, instead of feeling kind of that resistance, what I felt was, I want to use this. And so that, and it's funny because I can look back and kind of trace the beginning of doing a lot of worship leading and writing songs for the church and a lot of stuff that I did to getting that guitar because the guitar actually sounded good. So I could, I could do something... <laughs> And, and, and it's still being put to use. In fact, it's used every Sunday in the West Side. Uh, I, Chris Elwell uses it in the West Side every week. And, and, and so that gift is still giving. But, but I felt motivated by that gift from John Ivey. And that's the way we should feel about what God gives us. It should reflect in gratitude. Gratitude is a reflection of grace. And so 
you know, grace reflected on the water, it, you see gratitude. So God's grace given down to us should reflect as gratitude uh, for us. I want to show you a, a brief clip of um, a, a, a monk, a Benedictine monk named David Steindirast. He, uh, he kind of looks like a Jedi when you see this, so it's kind of cool. But he's talking about gratitude. I want to show you this here. How yeah, is the connection between happiness and gratefulness? Many people would say, well, that's very easy. When you are happy, you are grateful. But think again. Is it really the happy people that are grateful? We all know quite a number of people who have everything that it would take to be happy, and they are not happy because they want something else, so they want more of the same. And we all know people who have lots of misfortune, misfortune that we ourselves would not want to have, and they are deeply happy. They radiate happiness. We are surprised. Why? Because they are grateful. So it is not happiness that makes us grateful. It's gratefulness that makes us happy. If you think it's happiness that makes you grateful, think again. It's gratefulness that makes you happy. Okay, so this is what I talked about at the beginning. Everybody wants to be happy, uh, but and everybody should have what they need to be happy, but so few people are happy. And he's saying right here, the key is grateful people are happy. And it's not that you're, you're happy first and that makes you grateful. It's that you decide to be grateful. It's the way you view God and the way you view what he's given you, right? Not viewing him as harsh, not viewing him as unfair, not having the scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset, they, they've done many studies, clinical studies of the scarcity mindset. When you have a scarcity mindset, it means there's not enough for everybody. And so I got to look out for what's mine. And you see the scarcity uh, mindset in places like after a, a hockey game when there's only one exit from this huge parking lot and everybody's trying to get out of it. How's everybody feeling? They're just frustrated and angry and when am I going to be able to get my turn to get out of this parking lot? I'm going to be here forever and everybody's just mad and angry and frustrated, right? Where else do you see scarcity mindset? When it's Black Friday and there's like five of the promotional gifts and people are literally being trampled to death because of scarcity mindset. The, the opposite is a gratitude mindset where everybody's grateful, there's abundance, there's plenty. Go ahead, I've got enough. I'll be fine, you go ahead. That, that's the kind of community that Christ envisions for his church. And that's the kind of community that will change the world is, is if we have a community of people who have that gratitude mindset, who are here not operating out of stress or fear or anxiety, but oper operating out of gratitude, enjoying what God has given us, using our gifts and, and enjoying seeing other people using their gifts, kind of enjoying the diversity. What a great church we have. I love how he's so good at that and she's so good at that. And I love how, you know, the worship team is good at that. And I love how the ushers are good at this and the preachers are good at that and the servers and the, and the you know, the, the serving the poor and all these different things. We can enjoy it together. And, and that's what I, I believe God envisioned for our community to be. One more clip here as he closed out here. I want to close this. can the... change our world in immensely important ways. Because if you're grateful, you're not fearful. And if you're not fearful, you're not violent. 
If you're grateful, you act out of a sense of enough and not of a sense of scarcity, and you're willing to share. If you're grateful, you're enjoying the differences between people, and you're respectful to everybody, and that changes this power pyramid under which we live. James 1 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is unlimited in his capacity to give, isn't he? God is gracious. God gives good gifts. Let's be grateful people. Let's use what we've been given to build God's church and uh, to God be the glory. Amen.